It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a terrific Thursday here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner and Nick Wiggins taking all your phone calls and producing today's show. You can give us a call at 251-694-1055. And want to thank everybody for joining us this afternoon. Michael Brauner, how's it going, my friend? It's going well, man. SEC tournament in full swing. We got, I mean, we had a great game between Florida and Mississippi State. Mississippi State tried their damnedest to blow it, but, you know, looks like Alabama will have the Bulldogs tomorrow. Well, that's something that I know a lot of fans are looking forward to seeing as Again, today we'll talk a little SEC hoops action. Of course, we have all college tournaments that are ongoing today, and we'll try to keep you updated on everything that's going on on your ride home. And we have Robbie Robinson from Coastal Alabama South. They're scheduled to play at 5 o'clock p.m. today for an opportunity to advance in the junior college tournament that's being held in Huntsville, Alabama. And, Folks, it's real sad because we we love basketball, of course, down here. But for whatever reason, we just cannot get over the hump from a high school standpoint, from a junior college standpoint. On When you look at St. Luke's being the only team that represented Mobile or Baldwin County or really anything that's within an 85 to 90 mile radius of going north, I don't know why it is, but the North continues to dominate. They're doing the same thing in junior college basketball, both men and women, and Coastal Alabama South is the only team remaining locally in the state junior college basketball tournament. So we'll talk to Robbie Robinson about that. Josh Flowers just committed to Mississippi State. He's scheduled to join us right around 4.30, and we'll talk to Josh about his decision to verbally commit to the Bulldogs. The young man's a phenomenal quarterback at Baker High School. We'll talk to Lindsey Crosby, a little bit about Auburn baseball, and, of course, we have the Tiger and Tiger Report from 5 to 6 o'clock. So another great show, but it all gets started with our fans that are listening because – when you turn on the television screen, no matter whether it's ESPN 1, 2, SEC Network, plenty of basketball, and we're excited about our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. We're teaming up with all our listeners, and if you qualify, we will have qualifiers that call in when they hear that one shining moment by Luther Vandross. You can get Nick on the phone and guarantee your spot 
in our March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue for an opportunity to win a brand-new flat-screen television as well as an opportunity to have two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to two adults and one child on two separate jet skis from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. That's our prize package in it. Also today, the deal got sweetened a little bit to where when you come to Moe's, Mike, what else do we have for our listeners and those who are present? Yeah, we're going to have a few different drawings. There's going to be Hank Williams Jr. tickets given away. There's going to be James Taylor tickets given away. It's going to be good stuff. I mean, there's infinite reasons to come out to Moe's Barbecue next Wednesday. Again, got to be there to win. So, unfortunately, you can't just call in to win. You have to come see Corey and I's pretty faces to come, come win those prizes. So, show up, and it's going to be a good time. You have an opportunity to show up and show out next week at Moe's. And we were talking about SEC tournament action that got started last night. Two of our lower-seeded teams, Ole Miss with the interim coach, they defeat South Carolina last night, 67-61, to and LSU defeats Georgia, 72-67. to And we just had that epic March Madness first-round overtime thriller with Mississippi State surviving against the Florida Gators 69 to 68 and you mentioned it Mike facing Alabama 7 p.m. tomorrow Mississippi State gave Alabama all type of troubles twice I I, I mean Alabama played Mississippi State in their first SEC matchup in Starkville I believe Alabama won by 11 but Mississippi State I think they missed like 15 or 20 free throws that night. And then the second time in Tuscaloosa in Coleman Coliseum, Mississippi State was winning for most of the night. I believe Alabama won by like three. Uh, so this is one of the teams in the SEC that Alabama has or has played Alabama the toughest. And I, honestly, Florida would be a much better matchup for Alabama. They If Alabama smoked Florida... Florida struggle it has been struggling without Colin Castleton. It looked like Mississippi State was on their way to a beatdown today. They were up 15 in the first half, and uh, Florida couldn't make anything. They couldn't miss. And then, of course, as often happens in basketball, the tide turned. Mississippi State stopped making anything. Tolu Smith for Mississippi State, their big man, had a huge game, but, again, went cold a little bit, and uh, uh, Florida was able to climb back into it, force overtime by some Myron Jones uh, three-pointers there. And they had the lead with about 10 seconds left, and then, Mississippi State goes inside of Tolu Smith, gets another bucket, and Florida misses the buzzer beater that ultimately would have gotten it done. So, I mean, I think that probably Mississippi State was projected an 11 seed by Joe Lenardi, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think today's win over Florida probably locks up a spot for them. I mean, if you're Chris Jans, the coach of Mississippi State, you're still in the locker room telling your team, we need to beat Alabama to lock up a tournament spot. I mean, that's what any good motivator would do. So, I mean, I, it's not a good matchup for Alabama. I, I'm not going to be shocked if I won. It's going to be a close game. Alabama is not going to kill Mississippi State. I'll tell you that right now. But I won't. I will not be shocked if Mississippi State ends up on top i don't know will alabama be able to defeat the bulldogs tomorrow we would love to hear from you because we were wondering who is who was their opponent going to be and who do they match up better with and alabama going to try to find a way to be victorious but they call it march madness again for a reason and your team that plays in a national or is ranked number one nationally to begin the season north carolina has continued to find a way 
to stay alive. Yesterday, they won in their first round ACC contest. And will North Carolina be able to put together a W versus the number two seeded team, Virginia, in the ACC tournament tonight? Or will North Carolina become one of those first teams that being a preseason ranked number one that don't even make the big dance? Believe it or not, Virginia is actually only favored tonight by two and a half points. Uh, something, something smells a little funny there. I, UNC... Maybe could get it done tonight, and I think they still have to. They have to keep winning. They didn't beat. They really needed to f- win like four in a row at the end of the regular season to at least lock it up. They've done terrible in quad one games this season. Just why? Again, number one team in the country. They went to five overtimes against Alabama, but ultimately couldn't win that game. And I, you probably have to win again if you're North Carolina. Uh, I don't know. Do you think they get it done? North Carolina, I do believe, can get it done. I think that they'll find a way to make it an exciting game. You said the odds makers say it'll be a two-point game, but so, like I said, some something smells there. I, I mean, something something seems funny. Well, North Carolina trying not to to find its way out again. Just don't want to become that team to miss the NCAA tournament after appearing and being ranked number one in the country. And I just. I, I don't know if it's just part of March Madness that allows you to know when your back's against the wall to come out swinging and know that what's up against you, very similar to what Mississippi State saw today, what Auburn feels that they're facing, and North Carolina knows what they're facing. But sometimes when I, I just know that they are very, very, a very good basketball team coming back with what Hubert Davis has. And that that may cause them to have an opportunity to to only be down by two points to spread makers. And we had somebody in the app say North Carolina is extremely talented. Yeah. And that's why no, that's not the issue. The line, you know, I, I, of course, that's not the issue. It's just where has their effort level been all season long as to why they haven't been able to produce more wins and why are they on the NCAA tournament bubble and someone whose bubble was bust was Mark Adams out at Texas Tech Mm. after two years. And you start looking at why he's out at Texas Tech. Does that mean that you'll have an opportunity? And why is Mark Adams out at Texas Tech? Well, if you make some racially insensitive comments or you allegedly spit on a player, that's probably a good reason for the university to say, hey, we're not going to bring you back. But one of the statements also is that, quote, was encouraging the student-athlete to be more receptive to coaching and referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves during serving their masters. Yeah, not not good uh definitely not and, and by all accounts he wasn't very well liked in the locker room so you have an incident like that coupled with you said the spitting incident as well which he claims he didn't remember uh that texas tech team has just been all over the place this season uh so not all that surprising to see him step down i think the writing's been on the wall there for for at least a few days now but i, I mean I, I i hate to say it but you know, the, your old coach is available. And that's the way, why would it not, why Texas Tech would not reach out? 
to Chris Beard and say, hey, you, you served us very well during your tenure here at Texas Tech. Now, you bolted for Texas, and that probably made you a lot of money in doing so. Also made you hated among Texas Tech fans. But, but would they welcome him back with open arms? Should he go back? Would he want to go back, or is I don't he the so. next person up for Ole Miss? Let, let, let me make it clear: it's it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, this is just <laughs> this is just a conver- conversation for conversation's sake. Sake. I I don't think Texas Tech is going to want to go back to Chris Beard as much as you know they might like the basketball production. Uh, nor is Chris Beard going to want to go back to Texas Tech. I I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, but you also have to ask yourself: Well, this is a coach that. Just got a, you know, got us to a national championship. Again, that be you're you're getting rid of a guy for controversy. You're you're not going to bring Chris Beard back with controversy swirling around him. I do believe Chris Beard is going to be the next coach at Ole Miss. Well, Ole Miss and Tennessee are tied up at 27 apiece in the first quarter of action in the SEC tournament. And again, Ole Miss doing so with the interim coach, Tennessee, without their best defensive player and one of their main cogs in their point guard, Ziegler, being out for the duration of the season with that torn ACL. So will Tennessee continue to flounder? And so far in the prediction of the brackets, Tennessee is right now a third seed on a lot of people's seating line but do they continue to drop if they have a first round exit and should Tennessee make the next round of the tournament how far can they go in the SEC tournament yeah I mean they're very clearly a different team without Zakai Ziegler and it's a shame I mean he's one of the most electric players in college basketball and the fact that he tore his ACL in the last few games of the regular season is just a shame to college basketball uh, because he is that good of a player and that fun to watch but yeah if Tennessee loses this one I mean they were as high as a two seed I guess, uh, you know, they're right in between that two and three line. You lose to Ole Miss today. That pretty much locks you into a three best-case scenario. Uh, may, I don't think you drop all the way to a four, but Ole Miss. How about how about Ole Miss? They, they've been playing some really good basketball lately. And, and it's not like Kermit Davis left the roster, even though they didn't win as many games as they are like. Kermit Davis continues to encourage and continues to retweet and and give props to his team, so there's no ill will there by their former head coach. And I tell you, a couple of other things that are really targeted here in March Madness is conference tournament. Bill Self, head coach Mm. at Kansas, missing today's game versus West Virginia, and West Virginia trailing to Kansas 31-23 at halftime. Bill Self missing today's game because he wasn't feeling well, and it looks like Norm Roberts is coaching them today. So don't know if that will come back to bite Kansas in regards to their push, but I hope everything. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner, Nick Wiggins, taking your telephone calls and directing today's show behind the glass. You can give us a call at 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And make sure you stay on point and listen for that March Madness matchup challenge music. The one shining moment music is what you don't want to miss for an opportunity to be qualifying for our grand package 
that consists of our Bailey's flat screen television, as well as an opportunity to get on some jet skis, a couple of jet ski rentals there from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. You don't want to miss an opportunity to qualify and guarantee your spot in the March Madness matchup challenge. And yesterday we were informed Jim Beheim, after 47 years at Syracuse, which is something that you you probably will never see again, someone spending that long at one university. Was he forced out by the university? Did he decide to step away on his own? And when you start looking at Syracuse's loss, if they would have made a nice push, would he have stayed? Jim Beheim. He kind of rubbed the crystal ball and let people know if you were paying attention, he felt that people weren't paying attention to what his fate would be at Syracuse. But uh, I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I, I think you missed it. <clears throat> well, I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William, William Payne figured it out. Are you, are you saying right now that you're, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, but you're I not saying... I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you, you're not sure whether you're... When will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. Talking to the wrong guy, Beheim at 78 years old. Well, if you're talking to the wrong guy as to whether you want to retire or whether they're forcing you out, I don't know who else we need to be talking to. Yeah, there's a couple of angles here. So first off, very clear that Jim Beheim is, is being pushed out by the university. I, I think to watch that clip and, and think anything otherwise would be a bit, uh, you know, like – that that that's just obvious. I mean, he's saying I no, I, I didn't say I want to come back, but you have to ask. The, that's up to the university whether I come back. Obviously, he he didn't just retire on his own free will, uh, which is fine. I mean, he probably should have retired five years ago. But that all being said, I mean, it, it, it was time. So just just why didn't he just retire? And say I'm done. I'm I'm stepping away instead of just creating all this controversy. I will say this: at least he didn't pull a Coach K and do this whole retirement tour. No one needed to see a Jim Beheim retirement tour. I mean, that was that last year with Coach K. Did, did anyone did anyone need that? Really? I, 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 I liked it. I oh loved my it. god! <laughs> I, I, I think you did need it for like Coach K. It. Why? One of the because again, when you're one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. It's the same thing that applies to where when a professional athlete announces their retirement, you go ahead, you put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the rocker, all right, when he was retiring. You continue to go on. Again, when you're on one of the Mount Rushmores of college basketball, and Beheim, again, you can't argue oh, his is. longevity. Uh, whether you want to put him up there, he's definitely a top six or seven coach of all time in the history of college basketball. But when you put in 47 years to one institution, five Final Fours, I, I, I think that that's where you want to see the retirement tour come in. Here's yeah, the thing. Y y you got to give the guy a retirement tour. And, and look, Michael, you say that it's you don't like it. It's pointless. Let's imagine that uh, Nick Saban's coming to the end 
into his coaching career. Co- right? Nick Sa- you will see Nick Saban leave at the end of a season, and there will be no Nick Saban retirement or Coach but K. Would you not? Would you not love a Nick Saban retirement? Tour? Not really. Not really, to You're be quite honest. I'm not. No, you know who's full of it? Coach K is full of it because he's sitting there saying, "Oh, I don't want the attention on me." Yet he announces before the season that this is going to be his last season, and yeah, then proceed. Oh, then loses his last home game to UNC, and then loses his last in. career Look, game to UNC. Kobe announced that it was going to be his final year, and then what did he do in that last game? He dropped Epic. sixty. Epic. So meant more. If more you're if, if you're Coach K, more. why not just tell your players? Why do you have to tell everyone else? It's if, gonna if leak out anyway. Atten- if you don't want the attention on yourself, it, it's gonna leak I mean, out he, anyway. I mean, if you're Coach K, just don't go and say like, "Oh, I don't want it to be about me," and then say, I, "I'm retiring before the year." It was ridiculous. But was the energy for Duke not enhanced because of that throughout that whole year? Yeah, I was rooting very hard against Duke. It was it was quite the I fun mean, their ride. Fan base, right? Come on, man. It, I, I, th- there's no doubt, Bronner, that everybody wanted to see Coach K. And have one last opportunity. Even the North Carolina fans well, lost. wanted an opportunity to pay their respect because that was their last tie-in to Dean Smith as well. Well, they paid their respects by beating him twice. Well, that, hey, that's what your robber is supposed to do. Now, I didn't say that they didn't want to beat him now. They definitely wanted to I'm beat him. I'm just anti-retirement tour in general. It's like, just re- just I, go away quietly I at did, the end of the season. I just feel like that's a, that's a really uh, grumpy... Uh, take it's not it's not a grumpy what? take I, it's just, coach k says he doesn't want it to be about him and the attention right, on me, him but then announces before the season that this is going to be me, my last season give me two reasons why someone should not have a retirement tour who's you know like like Corey was saying is on the mount rushmore of their perspective sport give me two reasons why they shouldn't i just i just think it's more honorable to go away quietly Maybe not why, why does Coach K got to make it all about himself and then say he doesn't want the attention? It was ridiculous. But Jim Beheim in that press that conference, reasons, by the way, I, I, I don't, I don't know in that really press conference spot, whether man. he knew. I, I think he knew that at the end of the season that he was not going to be retained. He said, "Well, you're not paying attention. I, I made my my speech on Senior Day. I, I let everybody know that I wasn't going to be coming back." Well, I'd have to go if, back if, and look. If, if you meant that. Coach Beham, you just should have said that flat out. You know, look, this is this is my last run, and by saying that, I guarantee that your players would have played a lot harder for you, knowing because Duke guys left it all on the line. You look at them when they came up short last year in the Final Four in tears. Oh, it was awesome. In tears is what they were. I again, I mean, Beheim could have said it before the ACC turn. I guess he claims he did. Uh, but then to go and say, oh, I'm not saying I want to come back, but oh, it's up to the university. Just like, just go away. We we get it. You're gone. Just I I. Just, why do you have to make the make it drop dramatic and about himself? You're you're, you're a hater, man. Look, user Ojit just commented, <laughs> Bronner. If Saban announces retirement at the beginning of the season, uh, would, he, he, would you you'll, you'll never you'll you never see it happen. You'll never see it happen. But if he did. You're telling me you're not going to go to every Alabama game. I would think it's kind of every Alabama game I can. Well, this sure, year. I would go to the games, but I would think it's kind of lame for him to announce it before the season. Why? I just think I just that's just how it is, man. 
Well, I, I you, tell you, you like this. See, you, you're probably one of those uh, NFL guys who hates when they celebrate after a touchdown. No! Why can't they just hand the ball to the referee and get back <laughs> to the sideline? Why do they got to do all this flashy stuff? Why do they got to bring the attention to themselves? I'm anti-retirement tour. You're anti-fun. I'm anti-retirement tour. Well, well it, it, it definitely would have been nice to see Bayheim go ahead and go on his retirement tour. If he knew this was it for him, go ahead after year 47, going into year 47, and let everybody sing your praises after 47 years at one school. Because Bobby Knight didn't get that in Indiana. He was unceremoniously dumped, and I guarantee he would have loved it. But when we come back, we'll talk even more basketball with Robbie Robinson, who is the head men's basketball coach at Coastal Alabama South. They're one of our only teams remaining. In the ACCC Junior College Tournament, they continue to win in advance. They may be the only team that has an opportunity to represent the state of Alabama in postseason junior college basketball play. And we'll talk to the head coach, Robbie Robertson, next here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner and Nick Wiggins, producing today's show Behind the Glass. And want to remind everyone, this coming Saturday... At 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock p.m., we have the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. It's the first time that the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game will be held here in Mobile, Alabama. We've always had the football games at Ladd Peebles Stadium and most recently at Hancock-Whitney. But high school basketball, Alabama versus Mississippi All-Star Game will be this Saturday at the Mitchell Center starting at 12 o'clock p.m. The girls game will start followed by the boys game at 2 o'clock p.m. You don't want to miss that action. The Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game is at 12 and 2 and our next guest, Robbie Robertson, has a participant in this Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, one of his recruits from Blunt High School. He's a high flyer. He'll be playing in this game on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Robbie Robertson, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Hey, Corey, how you doing, my man? Absolutely blessed by the best, Coach. I know you guys have <laughs> a huge game coming up here in the ACCC Junior College State Tournament in Huntsville, Alabama. You guys will be taking on the number one seeded team from the north, Southern Union. Talk to us about your Sun Chiefs so far this season. Well, shoot, you just made me nervous saying all that. But, yeah, we're, we're excited to play these guys. You know, they – um. They had a great year. They they won the Northern Division, number one seed. Uh, they got the number two score in the country in Marcus Hill. He's getting about 27 or so points a game. So we got our hands full for sure. And um, our guys are excited though. You know, we've we've kind of embraced the opportunity. You know, since Christmas or so, we started playing a little better about Christmas time. And um, you know, they kind of bought in. And, and uh, we're excited for the opportunity. We're one of the four four last teams left up here. So. Um, you know, this time of year, you know how it is. If you can just 
survive and then advance to the next day, that's, you know, you always have a chance. So we're excited to get going here in a little bit. That's the name of the game, Coach, Survive and Advance. And unfortunately, out of the eight teams, four, you look at all the teams that were there, eight men and eight women, you are the only team remaining from the Southern Division because in the women's, it was a clean sweep, one through four, and three out of the four from the Southern Division have gone home. So it's definitely survive and advance. Coastal Alabama South, the only team standing and remaining having an opportunity to punch their ticket to the semifinals. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the All-Star game this weekend. Basketball in South Alabama has gotten so much better. and um, You know, we had some really good teams in, in the junior college part of it from the Southern Division. Um, we just kind of ran into some pretty good teams from the North in the tournament. But, um, you know, we, we're excited to have a player from Blunt playing uh, this weekend in the, in the Alabama-Mississippi game. And I'm excited to see it back in, or in Mobile for the first time. And, you know, it tells you how far basketball's has come in the last few years in our area. And um, I think it's going to get even better. You know, we got great travel and AAU basketball right now. we got really, really good high school coaches and uh, see a bunch of young guys playing, playing all year long. And, uh, so we're all excited about, about basketball in our area for sure. Antonio Jackson is the young man who is committed to play basketball for you, and he will be playing in that Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. He's the lone representative from the Mobile-Baldwin County area. We have a young lady who's going to Alabama. She preps at Jackson High School, Naomi Jones, six foot four center. So really, Naomi and Antonio are the only two players on the rosters here locally in South Alabama, and not only that, Coach, I have to give kudos to you. You have the Southern Division Player of the Year on your roster, along with Cedric Yelding winning Coach of the Year in his first year in the Southern Division. Well, what a great job Ced's done, and you know we're so excited to have him part of, of our program and our institution, and um, he's a great Great representative for, for all of our athletics, but in particular our women's basketball team. He did an unbelievable job this year. And our player of the year was, was Braxton Williams in the Southern Division. He's from Thomasville High School. and um, what, a, what a quality young man. He's, he's a 3.3 or 3.4 GPA in the classroom. And, um, you know, I've always heard and you probably always hear that if your best player is your hardest worker and, and, and does all the things, the little things the right way, then you'll have a chance to to win, you know, at the end of the year, and that's exactly what we have. Our best player is, is our hardest worker. He's, uh, he pays attention to detail. He wants to win. He cares about it, cares about our program. He plays for the front of the jersey and not his name on the back. And, and he got rewarded with some, you know, with some really cool awards up here and had a great year for us. So hopefully he can get a couple more couple more nights under his belt here and, and uh, get him a chance to go play in the national tournament out in Hutchinson, Kansas here in a couple weeks. Well, that's the name of the game, Coach Robbie. And I tell you, Robbie Robertson has done a phenomenal job. His second-seeded Coastal Alabama South Sun Chiefs will be taking on Southern Union at 5 o'clock 
p.m. And that will be a big-time matchup. People can watch it on jockjive.com to see how our last local team standing is going to fare. And, you know, Robbie, I've been in the trenches with you as your assistant coach and watched your dad as his assistant coach as well cut down the nets in 2015. There's nothing sweeter than surviving and advancing and having an opportunity to make that national tournament. It sure is. And, you know, our guys are – we talk about it. You know, we've talked about it since they moved on campus in August. And, you know, that's that was our ultimate goal. And here we are with, with just a couple of days left with the opportunity to do it. And, uh, you know, we got great guys. we got great character on our team. And, and um, you know, hopefully these guys will, will be rewarded by – by having an opportunity to play tomorrow night in the finals with what they've done throughout the year because they've, you know, they've taken care of their business. They've paid attention to every single detail that we've asked them to on and off the floor. So what a great group of young men that we have, and they represent our institution the right way. And uh, We're going to sure give, give it a good try here this afternoon to try to get into the finals tomorrow. Well, I tell you what, you and Coach Jacob have done an outstanding job. Look forward to watching your game this evening and wish you the best of luck. And go ahead and punch that ticket and keep on dancing, Coach, and keep hope alive there for the Coastal Alabama South. You got it now. You South and North. You guys are Coastal Alabama South. The Sun Chiefs trying to punch their ticket to the semifinals. And, Coach, best of luck to you. Corey, I'm so proud of you, man. We're proud of you. Proud that you were part of our program and uh, continue best of luck and appreciate you having us on. My pleasure. Robbie Robinson, the head coach of the Coastal Alabama South Sun Chiefs, getting ready to tip it off at 5 o'clock p.m. versus the number one seeded team in the North Southern Union. And we'll keep you updated on that score as well. And Michael, anytime you have an opportunity to cut down the nets, I know that I felt real good cutting down the nets with Robbie Robinson's dad at Coastal Alabama. Then it was Faulkner State. There's nothing better than having that opportunity. It's going to be a lot of nets cut down over the next uh, few weeks. No question about it. And make sure you tune in and listen for that one shining moment. Luther Vandross hit, and you'll have an opportunity to qualify here to win one of our grand prizes that you don't want to miss out on Bailey's flat screen television, as well as an opportunity to hit the water. I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. Be the first to call Nick on the phone to guarantee your spot in March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue Downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m and a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends, that's two adults and one child, on two jet skis from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And I know that that one shining moment is coming for not only your future conference champions, but as well as 
the national champion. We mentioned cutting nets down here in about a month. You'll have an opportunity to see who's going to be the regional champion, who's going to go ahead and cut the final four nets down as well, Mike. And don't have to worry about nets being cut down in the game of football, but somebody needs to qualify, Nick. Who's going to be that first qualifier of the day? Our first qualifier of the day is Elvis. Elvis is Elvis. in the building. Hopefully, Elvis will definitely be in the building next Wednesday at Moe's. And congratulations, Elvis. And I tell you, you know, there there are a few strings on NFL football. And Aaron Rodgers, who will he be throwing that football for? Who will he be spinning it for next year? Is it going to be the Packers? Is it going to be the Jets? And if it's the Jets, can Aaron Rodgers handle the bright and big city lights of New York? And at 39 years old, is he too old to get it done for the Jets? Well, he certainly struggled last year. Uh, I mean, it won't be an issue of media pressure if, if, you know, if, if last year was an indication of what he had left in the tank, then... He won't fail in New York just because of pressure. He'll fail because he isn't the same quarterback he was a few years ago. But, no, I I think this year was an outlier for Aaron Rodgers. I, I think he still has plenty of good football left in the tank. It feels like the writing is on the wall with him and Green Bay. I, I think that's over. I think he's either going to retire or play for a new team next year. It just And the fact that Green Bay is openly letting him talk to other teams. You saw Woody Johnson and the rest of the Jets brass fly out to meet with Aaron Rodgers. It feels very odd. He's a free agent who's not a free agent. Uh, it's it's a very strange situation. Can can you say that a guy has a lot left in the tank when you're saying his two options are he's either going to retire or go somewhere else? Well, I mean, I, I don't think... He, He's going to retire because he's not good anymore. I, I think he's gonna re he would retire just because he doesn't feel like doing it anymore. I mean, this is a guy who was the best quarterback in the league like twelve months ago. Before the season, if you said if if I told you that Aaron Rodgers wasn't good anymore, you would have told me I was crazy. Yeah, he struggled this year, but the Packers team as a whole kind of struggled. I mean, do you do you think Aaron Rodgers is done? I think maybe mentally he is. That's I think, like that's what I'm it, saying. But that's I, the same thing. Like if you got a quarterback and his arm talent is still there, but mentally he's checked out and it isn't maybe competing as hard or trying as hard or as locked in as you'd want your star quarterback to be. To me, that's a red flag, and I wouldn't give up much to bring him in if that's what it costs. I think he's mentally on the mushrooms myself. <laughs> and with that being said, old I Ayahuasca mean, Rogers, he, he, he's going to get. 59.3 guaranteed this year, regardless. If he signs with the Jets, that's what he's going to make. And having an opportunity at 39 years old, to me, that's a Band-Aid for the Jets. And what are you going to give up to go ahead? And, and I just think that that's a Band-Aid for the Jets. A Band-Aid? I mean, what? That's a team that's uh, a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. How is it a Band-Aid? I mean, they fall off, man. They missed the they missed the playoffs because they had the worst quarterback play in the league. They have one of the better rosters in the entire league. But what if they had one of the better rosters? Was it because they didn't Zach to Wilson stinks? Of, okay, so so you replace him with Zach Wilson. Oh, you replace Zach Wilson for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers at thirty nine years old. 
comes in and takes the keys. That's to, a Super Bowl contender. It, you feel that they're a Super Bowl contender. I think it's a lot Aaron harder Rogers. to win in the AFC than it is in the NFC right now. I mean, that's oh, obviously that's obvious. Un- undeniable. But, yes, I, I, I think that makes the Jets – as as much of a contender as anyone, I mean, obviously Kansas City, Cincinnati, whatever. There are re- a lot of really good teams in the AFC, but yeah, I mean, I think the Jets have one of the best defenses in football. I think they have a really good cast of weapons on the offense, but again, they lost games because their quarterback play was horrible. I mean, the Patriots beat them twice. Again, I, Zach Wilson was the worst quarterback, was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. This All right, week, by the far. Jets seven and ten, mirror record to what you saw. With our friends in the Saints at seven and ten, is it more of an upgrade for Derek Carr to go to the Saints? That's why he was kind of teetering on going to the to the Jets. Derek Carr, he definitely had talks yeah. with going to the Jets. So he was Derek him. Carr a better fit in New York at this point in time? Because you just said that Aaron Rodgers and the Jets now they're a Super Bowl contender. I think the Jets doing anything at cor- at the quarterback position, whether it's Derek Carr, even if they got Jimmy Garoppolo, really any upgrade for the Jets is a bigger upgrade than Derek Carr to the Saints. And that's not a knock on Derek Carr. That's just to say how bad the Jets quarterback play was this year. All right, so and he got benched for Mike White. The, the the Jets quarterback play was bad, but again, when has the Jets quarterback play not been bad? That's that's the bigger question. I, I think that you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and yes, I think I mean, he's not just going to automatically be bad because he's wearing because he's wearing a different uniform. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to say he? he's going to be bad, but. What is he go- okay in his first year? Are the Jets going to be better than the Saints? Uh, well, they're playing in the NFL's best division versus the NFL's worst division, so I don't, I don't think that's on paper necessarily a fair comparison. If you're just comparing team to team, yes, yes I think the Jets, I think the Jets are a lot better than the Saints with Aaron Rodgers, but like not even close. All right, so are the Jets still a Super Bowl contender in your eyes had Derek Carr signed yeah. with the Jets? Uh Super Bowl contender mm, that that's a little dicey but a playoff team Look, without it, a doubt. If I'm a GM, I would prefer in this moment. Uh-oh. I'd prefer Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers. You can make that argument. I I, I don't have a I don't have a super strong argument against you're that. You're getting the consistency Aaron Rodgers, man. We're talking about a guy that's one year removed from an MVP. I know. Hey, I know. Can't take that away. But, I mean, after the game on Sunday, this dude's going and, and smoking dope with Miles Teller or whatever. Let's not overinflate this Aaron Rodgers stuff. Like, yes, the guy has some extracurricular activity. <laughs> like, he, like, he's always been a weirdo. He's a California kid. Like, he's an interesting guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disagreeing with I just any think of that. His heart isn't in football anymore. I as mean, then, then, if that's the case, be... then he'll retire. All right. No. Why do you think he goes but, on these no, darkness retreats? If he doesn't want to play, if, he won't play. If his heart's not in football, but someone says, "Hey, man, we're gonna give you sixty million next year." He gonna I go th- out? There I and think that money's guaranteed that regardless, because it was the contract. I, I I'd have to look. No, no one knows what NFL contracts are, so I'd have to go look. But like, if the if he doesn't want to play, he's not gonna play. His MVP year. 37 touchdowns and only four interceptions. Last year, 26 and 12 is what he wound up throwing, and, and that's nowhere near 48 and 5 that he had in 2020 and 26 and 4. So I'm not saying that there's a steep decline, but mentally, 
I think he checked out of Green Bay before the season was over. I, I don't disagree with that. And they made a late playoff push, but no, we'll get into this. We'll, we'll keep talking about this. No doubt about it. Our number two of the final drive coming up here on WNSP 105.5. <laughs> Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And don't forget, make sure you listen in for that one shining moment music to where you can qualify to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. where you can pick a team or your team will be picked from a draw and you'll have an opportunity to win that brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends that can be two adults and one child or two adults on two separate jet skis, and that being courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And, again, you don't want to miss your opportunity. You must be present to qualify. And if you're not able to get Nick on the phone when you hear Luther Vandross's one shining moment, that's okay because we're still going to be qualifying contestants who have an opportunity eight spots will be open so you can get a chance to get in and also we'll be having prizes and giveaways at Moe's Barbecue six o'clock p.m. next Wednesday and our next guest Auburn Tigers baseball is not giving anything away especially when it comes down to losses they're giving away wins and they're not ranked in the top 25 and not getting a lot of respect if you ask me when you start looking at their overall record and our next guest Lindsey Crosby is locked on farm he's also the senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily good afternoon Lindsey how are you doing hey Corey I'm doing great thanks for having me on the show Absolutely, and I know it's that time of year, spring training. Or are you having an opportunity to check out some spring training baseball in this beautiful weather? I just left Pirates Tigers, and it was a fantastic time down in Bradenton, Florida. We're down here all week. I've got somebody covering Auburn baseball for me for the weekend. Uh, just perfect time of year to get away on spring break, go check out some amateur baseball. But uh, I. I can't help but notice, even when I'm off, what Auburn baseball and what Alabama baseball is still doing in their midweeks and how both teams are still dominating 
in their midweek play mm. as they head into this final tune-up before they get into conference play. And that final tune-up so far, Auburn baseball, 11-1-1, and and they've been running away from all their opponents. Their next three-game series will be this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Plainsman Park, southeastern Louisiana. And then next week, they will play Georgia Tech on a Tuesday before they jump in to SEC play Fayetteville, Arkansas. And talk to us about why the Auburn Tigers are 11-1-1 and why it's great for Alabama and Auburn both to be – outstanding in baseball at the same time. So it's something where baseball in Alabama has always been at a little bit of a handicap, right? You don't have lottery scholarships. You don't have all of this extra stuff that the Mississippi schools, the Georgia schools, and things like that have. But you look at what Alabama's done. They've been able to go out. They haven't played any incredibly tough teams, but they also haven't done like so many SEC squads have done and drop a game to a team that's 200 in RPI. Alabama's handled their business. Auburn's gone out and just used the offense to beat their opponents into submission. Auburn has scored double-digit runs in so many of their games, and the few games that they haven't, their pitching staff has shut down opposing, uh, opposing lineups. And so you're in a situation where both teams in the state of Alabama collectively – have one loss and one tie on the season. And when you walked into this season, you didn't have a lot of rankings for these teams. You didn't have a lot of expectations for Alabama baseball as far as the state of Alabama. But both of these teams have, have overachieved in the non-conference schedule and look like they can make serious noise in the SEC West as we get into the meat of the conference schedule starting next weekend. Lindsay, talk about overachieving third baseman for Alabama, Colby Shelton. Uh, he already has the same amount of home runs as Zane Denton last season. I, have you gotten a chance to look at this kid? He, he just he can't stop mashing home runs. So it's something where like, every team, for the most part, has that one guy who's going to take a ridiculous kind of like stupid leap from year to year, right? And this is the guy for Alabama. When you watched his at-bats last year, it feels like he struggled with breaking pitches down and away. He was sitting too hard on the fastball and getting fooled by the off-speed. And when you watch him now, it really feels like you just can't get him out. There's no, there's no pitch in the strike zone that he can't hit, and he's gotten really good at knowing, here are the pitches that I need to just ignore. And the counterpart for that same kind of offensive growth for Auburn is third baseman Bryson Ware. He was used as an outfielder last year as a defensive replacement, a guy that could crush a fastball. But if you gave him a changeup, if you gave him a slider, he was just going to roll over it and, and send it to second base for a ground out. And now he's just about leading the SEC in home runs and slugging percentage and on base. Both of these guys have done a lot of work to be able to work on the pitch recognition, the pitch discernment, and they're doing such a better job of just controlling the plate when they're at bat and making opposing pitchers be perfect to get them out. And so far, neither team has faced a guy that can be perfect to get them out in four at-bats in a game. It's, it's fantastic growth for both of these guys. 
Let's talk about that rotation for Auburn and how it's been so far and how it's held up again, only losing that one contest and having that one tie on the season. And I think that's one of the biggest things when you start getting ready to start to see uh, a top-heavy SEC opponents that are coming here in less than a week, your starting rotation has to be on point. Yeah, and that's the big thing for Auburn at this point in the season is you haven't had Joseph Gonzalez, right? And so Auburn's been trying to piece it together with different guys. Uh, they used Christian Herberholtz the last two weekends as far as the Saturday starter. He's not going to be the starter this weekend. Auburn's auditioned a lot of newcomers. Uh, it looks like this weekend they're going to go with Tanner Bowman on Friday, that crossfelt on Saturday. But they've, got, they've, they've done a lot of work to get the starting pitchers a little bit deeper into games. Auburn starters now are averaging around five innings or so. Not quite where your guys from LSU are. Not quite where your guys from Florida are. But it's enough to get you into the, the top of your bullpen and get to your best guys. This Auburn team needs Joseph Gonzalez back to be at full strength and to have a chance in conference play. Everything that we understand that we've learned is that he should be back for the Arkansas series. He had a bullpen on Tuesday. Bullpen went really well. He's going to have another bullpen over the weekend. I'd expect to see him in the midweek game next week, probably take an inning in relief, and then slot him back into that Saturday role against Arkansas on the road to start conference play. But Auburn's done a good enough job of getting what they need out of the starter and then leaning heavily on that back end of the bullpen. They do need to – it's not sustainable, right? They can't do this all season. But so far, they've been able to make it work. You just, you've got to get these starters to be ready to go as you get to conference play. And they think Tanner Bowman, Zach Crotchfelt, and then Joseph Gonzalez can be the three. They can give you a solid five or six innings every night. Speaking with Lindsey Crosby, he is senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily and, again, host of Locked On Farm. But with the Auburn Tigers baseball team, they found a way to win their sixth comeback win this season from behind. And I know that regardless of the opponent, it's something that it makes it harder when you're playing from behind, especially out of 13 games coming from behind for six out of the 13 games. Yeah, and, and that's the, the big weakness that we've spotted in this Auburn lineup, right? They can score plenty of runs, but they struggle against your top-end guys who have fantastic velocity, who have great swing and miss stuff, and have really effective breaking pitches. And it's not just the prestige team. We saw against Jacksonville State last night, they, ha they faced a pitcher who's throwing 95-96, and they struggled a little bit to get the offense going until he left the game. And so if you're Auburn, you're happy with what the offense has been able to do on the aggregate, right, as a whole, but you're still not happy with what the offense is able to do against premium velocity and against a number one for any specific team because Jacksonville State's number one if he gives you problems, what are you going to do when you face a Florida and their one through three are all better than he is or an LSU and you're having to face their one through three and their one through three is better than what all of these guys are. So Auburn's made it work so far with timely hitting, staying in the fight and never giving up an at-bat. 
But you have to ask how sustainable it is when you get into conference play and a starter may get replaced by a reliever that is just as good as that starter. That's not really a situation Auburn's had to deal with yet. And so there's a little bit of question out there about how sustainable are these comebacks once you get into better bullpens and conference play. Lindsey Crosby from Locked on Farm and the senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily. Lindsey, if people want to follow your coverage of the Auburn Tigers who complete their non-conference play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with Southeastern Louisiana, a familiar opponent, opponent they saw in the NCAA tournament last year, how can they do so? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked in a Movie Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube and all of the Auburn baseball writing, auburndaily.com. Thank you, Lindsay. Have an outstanding afternoon, my friend, and safe travels as well. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Lindsey Crosby letting us in on the Auburn Tigers. And, Mike, I can't recall the last time that Alabama and Auburn both came in almost – to SEC play with only one loss in between the both of them. And this Alabama Crimson Tide team that's undefeated, you'll have an opportunity if you get your tickets early to see them this Tuesday against our South Alabama Jaguars right at Stanky Field. And if Alabama holds to feet and doing what they've been doing, they will come into Stanky Field undefeated. Absolutely. I mean, whew, this is a, this is quite the baseball team. It's the best they've had in a minute, so we'll see. Looking forward to that. And, again, baseball's better, basketball's better when the state is better, and we love to see it. You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's that song that means you need to pick up your telephone and call nick to guarantee your spot in our march madness matchup challenge at moe's barbecue downtown next wednesday at six o'clock p.m and it doesn't get any better than hearing that one shining moment music and i can hear it 12 13 14 times a day it never get old even through March Madness, because that montage that CBS puts together, it doesn't get any better. But if you call and you're able to get through to Nick, the first caller, you'll qualify for a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends on two separate jet skis. That can be two adults and one child or two adults from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. So you want that opportunity to make sure you can qualify for our greatest grand prize package that you can see. And I know, Nick, someone's already blown up the phone and qualified for their one shining moment. That's right. Our next qualifier is Clydell. Clydell. 
congratulations to Clydell qualifying for an opportunity. And Clydell, make sure that you show up to Moe's next Wednesday. That's the Moe's Barbecue downtown at 6 o'clock p.m. for your opportunity to pick one of the teams that have qualified for the tournament. And if you're not able to get into the opening kickoff for your four opportunities or right here on the final drive, your four opportunities, we'll leave eight spots open so you can get a chance to win and become a qualifier for that night because we know you'll be present at the event. And I tell you, some teams today that have been present, some great basketball. Mississippi State decided to take a bite out of their opponent today and have a huge win in overtime over the Florida Gators. And that means that the Bulldogs will now face Alabama tomorrow. Yeah, they will. And I, I don't know, I, where do you make of this? Do you think Nate Oates is sitting there rooting for Florida or, 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 or rooting? For, definitely wasn't rooting for Mississippi State. I, I, at this point in time, I don't think it matters to Coach Oates because you've seen Florida. Of course, you've seen Mississippi State a couple of times yeah. and having an opportunity Plenty of film. with Castleton not playing for the Florida Gators. You knew that they were at a disadvantage. But Mississippi State, just under their first-year head coach, it's a tough draw for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they're going to have to earn that W, and we'll see how they're doing. Tennessee trying to pull away from Ole Miss 64 to 52 with about five and a half minutes left to go in that one and I just I mean you you beat Florida by 30 the first time with Colin Castleton scoring 29 points it's like I mean can you do it again consistently that's the biggest thing for Alabama and of course LSU defeating Georgia last night 72 to 67 that one you know, it could have been a push either way it goes, but LSU was the lower seeded out of the two. Now, I did, and what did I say? I, I think I predicted both games wrong. I think I took uh, South Carolina and Georgia, but I did say could just as easily go either way. That's such as the nature of Wednesday sadness. So, and of course, we do have Arkansas and Auburn tipping Big off one. at six o'clock p.m. and Arkansas well, minus three, minus three on that one, and you just don't know what you're going to get at Auburn. A win-or-go-home mentality to where they feel like they've already punched and done enough framework to get into the NCAA tournament. They just want to continue to try to play for that conference championship. And when you switch gears and look at trying to win a championship in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns last night, everybody was very excited to see Kevin Durant's home debut. And, boy, did it get spoiled quick, fast, in a hurry, as in warm-ups. KD slips and rolls and injured his ankle and can be out another three to four weeks. And what does that mean for the Phoenix Suns and their opportunity to continue to climb in the Western Conference? Yeah, it's like you you make the big trade, you can't catch a break. Uh, I mean, is that is that the ball boys' fault? Is there was there a wet spot? I, I is is it bad court in Phoenix? What, what what are we thinking over there, Nick? I don't know, man. I think it may just have been a case of bad luck. Um, on the double team podcast that Root and I recorded today, we really did a deep dive into what this could mean for the Suns and the rest of their season and even the playoffs. Uh, right now, he's predicted to come back. Uh, potentially in like that first round of the playoffs. Mm. And Corey, uh, I want to know what you think about this. So I think Durant's played only two or three games with Phoenix up to this point. You and I know that Kevin Durant's a guy that can plug in and play anywhere, anytime. 
But do you think it's going to come to bite them in the butt that they haven't gotten those real reps in together? Is Kevin Durant going to be able to just come in in the middle of the first round, put him in, and they're just going to be fine? I think they're going to be fine. And it's a situation to where when you have Devin Booker, goes off last night for 44 points. He continues to play at another level here in the second half of the NBA season. Again, Phoenix right now, without KD, really only playing maybe three or four games for the Suns, still in fourth place. Now, when he comes in, it's not like the chemistry has to be reworked between the guys. I think it's just... KD is going to drive him nuts to be sitting over there on that bench having to watch his team try to catch the Denver Nuggets for a higher seed. And playoff advantage is so critical because, again, LeBron James and the Lakers are right there in the ninth-seeded spot. They're moving up the ladder without LeBron James, who is arguably the NBA's best player and arguably the GOAT. I think that KD in that situation too has been he can't produce LeBron James can't produce so you have two of the league's most elite players not being able to help their team and one's on a new team with KD and the Suns and LeBron he really wasn't able to help the Lakers when he was there. Right. And, and that's basically a new team uh, that the Lakers got after that trade with Minnesota. And D'Angelo Russell isn't even playing. The big guy that they got after uh, shipping Westbrook out. AD has really stepped it up. I'm not going to say I'm an Anthony Davis hater, mm. but I am cynical when it comes to Anthony Davis. But I got to give credit where credit's due. Guy has been balling out lately and just putting the team on his back and just carrying the Lakers uh, back into a guaranteed playing spot. They're not going to fall out now. Can you imagine if you're like a Phoenix dad who, who like saved up a bunch <laughs> of money to buy, buy you and your kid? Is that right that it was the home debut yeah. for KD? You saved up. Oh, dad, like KD, home debut. We got to go. You, you, dumped, you dumped a ton of money on it. And then that, I mean, I'm, I'm calling the son's office and, and demanding some sort of refund there. That's ridiculous. I, I, I know this from an inside source with the Phoenix Suns organization, that there's a waiting list for season tickets. And once, K and this is before KD came in. Okay, there was a waiting list for Suns tickets. And now that once KD did sign, the, your value of your tickets tripled. Yep. And now that he's going to be on the bench, I guarantee there will be a few people who will say, okay, I'm going to sell those tickets and wait to see how many home games we're able to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, I'm riding with my Nuggets, man. Uh, I'm a big Nikola Jokic guy. I think, you know, you're getting better every year. They put the reps in. So I'm not quite there on Phoenix like I think you are. I do think that the lack of reps together, even though it is Kevin Durant, and it may not be as big of an issue as it may be to other people, um, me personally, I I'm rocking with the Nuggets just because Nikola Jokic has that offense humming. And they're all connected. They're all like uh, other appendages of Nikola Jokic's body. It, he's just controlling everything perfectly. And I do feel like when it gets to playoff time, even if the Suns meet uh, the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, uh, I, I, I think that 
I think those season tickets that those Suns have, they're, they're going to be more valuable next year than this year. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, here's the thing with the Nuggets. I, I do believe that the Nuggets bench is a lot more productive. But at the same time, you know, what do you want to see out of Michael Porter Jr.? And what are you getting uh, when you look at Contavious Caldwell-Pope? And I, I like the fact that Jokic, again, one of the best players in the league, trying to win his third consecutive most valuable player. And he's, I know he's already won. We can say that, right? It, it, there's only about less yeah. than a month left. And I know we have a caller who wants to weigh Ooh. in as well. Caller, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. What's up, Corey? How are you doing, sir? Man, I'm great, man. Congratulations on your show. I hadn't got to call in yet. So basically, I'm a first-time caller of the new show. Well, thank you very much for listening and tuning in. Appreciate that. And uh, you're doing a fantastic job, man, and keep it up. Thank you but so y'all much. Are putting too much. Y'all are putting too much stock in Kevin Durant. Y'all got to remember, the Golden State Warriors were world champs before he showed up. And, yes, he won two with the Warriors. He's still not that great. You gotta remember, he still had Steph, and Draymond, and Clay. I mean, he, I don't think Phoenix can win the title if he's healthy. Well, now wait a second. There, that, that, You're saying the Warriors were champions? One's got nothing Actually, to do with the other. The Warriors weren't champions. They were 73 and nine, best record. They didn't win though. They blew a 3-1 lead. Then Kevin Durant they were, joins. They, they, that, that group had already won a world title. They, they did win a championship. They lost listen to LeBron though, because though. of the Draymond suspension for one game. That is true. And then KD showed up, and they won two more. Yeah, so, but yes, the Golden when, State Warriors were world champions without Kevin listen, Durant. Listen, Perry, okay? when, KD, when KD showed now, up, the Warriors became happened. unstoppable. KD broke the NBA. Now KD is joining another nucleus of stars similar to that Warriors team, and now you're telling me that it's not going to work? I, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Wait a minute. Is this Perry? It's not, it's not going to work. But the Phoenix Thunder snake bit. Perry they making his return to the afternoon. Well, Perry, I will say this, that Kevin Durant, he's going to increase the value of anybody that we have, any team that he plays for, Perry. But Kevin Durant is an outstanding athlete, and him not being healthy is definitely going to hurt the Phoenix Suns. And we'll continue to touch on NBA topics because you have a lot of superstars who aren't healthy down the stretch. We only have a month and a half left. And I'll tell you, somebody who has more than a month and a half left, and our next guest, Josh Flowers. You don't want to miss this. Young man plays quarterback for the Baker Hornets, verbally committed to Mississippi State. He joins us next here on the final drive on WNSP. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 1055 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Michael Brauner and Nick Wiggins taking your phone calls and doing an outstanding job producing the show. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here on the final drive. But someone who's made a lot of final drives into the end zone is... 
currently junior quarterback Joshua Flowers from Baker High School and he made a little bit of news yesterday because he is verbally committed to Mississippi State and Josh Flowers good afternoon and thanks for joining us here on the final drive can you hear us Josh I can. Uh, you were in and out on the last, um, the last statement you made. Can okay. you repeat it? Oh, absolutely, man. We were just saying good afternoon and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. And you guys are going ahead. And, I mean, you decided to go ahead and verbally commit to Mississippi State. Tell us why you felt Mississippi State was home. Well, because the way that they treated me, like, you know, on my visit, um, me and my family um, up there Saturday, you know, it was almost like that. They were just planning for me to just come up there. You know, they had in the coaches meeting, um, the quarterback meeting, we had, like, watched film and everything. Like, they watched my highlights and comparing it to the plays that Coach Barbet is, like, used to running and everything and the plays that they run at Mississippi State and comparing, like, the skill set, what they wanted in the quarterback. So it was very special, you know, and everything they did for me and my family while I was up there. Having an opportunity to meet Coach Zach Arnett, I know he took over for the Pirate and Mike Leach. And I know Coach Leach definitely was a quarterback type of guy, but having an opportunity to make it feel like it was home, did you see or have an opportunity to meet Steve Campbell, the former South Alabama head coach, or Joey Jones, who was also a former South Alabama head coach? Yes, sir. I met Joey Jones and Steve Campbell while I was up there. Well, I think that that's an awesome opportunity that they probably showed you a lot of love and have seen a lot of your games as well. But when you start looking at teams that showed interest in you, Alabama and Arkansas, Florida, Texas A&M, Tulane, UAB, it's just one of those situations to where I know that you continue to do all your homework and feel the, where you were most comfortable in at home and so far at Baker High School, you've definitely felt at home because I had an opportunity to see you come in as a freshman uh, and really just shine or and as a sophomore, really. Al Whedon and I on the Mobile County Public School System game of the week in your second opportunity, second series. You came in. Do you remember that game vividly? Your first start where you came in and really made everybody know who Josh Flowers was? Yes, are you talking about the Taylor game? There you go. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one that really was your coming out party as a sophomore. And I know that – what do you remember most about your first game to where you had an opportunity to come in and make a difference? Well, I remember, you know, just like – so I was starting, like, I was quarterback at the time he got in, you know, made a few mistakes, you know. So coach just put me in. I was just trying to, you know, just win the game for my team. It wasn't like nothing like that. I was just trying to do what I can for my team, you know, and try to get the victory, but we came up short. Well, Josh, first off, congratulations on your commitment and, uh, you know, on a, on a great season with Baker. I got, I got to ask this one. If there's – is there a certain player maybe you try to model your game after, whether it be in the college, college or in the pros? Uh, certain player. Oh, not really. I just go out there and just, you know, try to be myself. Uh, that, but I do have like a favorite quarterback. 
Go right ahead. now, with the Patrick Mahomes, I want to say I model my game after him, but you can see some similarities sometimes, you know, but not really. I don't really try to model my game after anyone. Hey, you got you got the big arm, Josh. You do have yeah. the big arm. And, Josh, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of watching your maturity level continue to embrace speaking more because I know when you first won your first award as a sophomore at Baker High School with the Crichton Optimist Club, I had an opportunity to introduce you. And all that was kind of like the deer in the headlights. It was all kind of new to you. But now you've just continued to embrace and, and really feel comfortable speaking to the media. And as a junior, you rushed for almost 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns and passed for almost another 1,510 scores. But have you started feeling more and more comfortable as a quarterback and speaking to the media also? Can you repeat that last? Have, have, my, you, my going in and out. have you felt more and more comfortable as a starting quarterback and, and speaking to the media as well? Oh, yes, sir. It's just like I practice it, you know, with my coach sometimes. Or I, like I practice it on my own. So it's just like become like because I eventually have to do it more on in my career as I progress. So it's just something you have to get used to and something that has to be like a second nature or anything. So especially with playing quarterback, you know, there's got to be cool, calm, and collective back there. So, you know, just try to be as calm as possible and, you know, make the right reads, you know, all that, everything. So, yes, sir. Josh Flowers, the soon-to-be senior quarterback at Baker High School. He's continued to be in his junior season, just wrapped up the basketball season as you're one of the starting five members of David Armstrong's basketball team. And you play with a pretty, pretty good basketball player on your roster as well. It's pretty awesome to where you have a starting quarterback, and also one of the top shooting guards or point guards in the country in LeBaron Phylon. How much fun is it playing basketball for David Armstrong and the Baker Hornets? Oh, it's very much fun. You know, that's like, you know, basketball season or football season where I take like 100% serious. Not saying that I don't take basketball season serious. I do. But, you know, you also have a little fun with it. But, you know, it's very fun playing against Coach Armstrong because most of the time he's right no matter what. Like, you could try to think about it because, you know, as being in high school, being and all that, you'll think you'll be right or anything. But most of the time, he always right. So you got to listen to the coaches, you know, and all that, have respect and everything. But I love playing under Coach Armstrong. Well, not only playing under Coach Armstrong, you play next to LeBaron Phylon, a, a young cat that has verbally committed to Auburn. And how much fun is that knowing, all right, so if – he decides to go to Auburn and you decide to go to Mississippi State that you'll have an opportunity to see LeBaron play at that next level at yeah. the in the basketball arena coming to the hump on your side of the territory. Yes, It'll be very funny. You know, I've been playing against LeBaron, playing with LeBaron since I was little, you know, since I was four, you know, playing against him in basketball. So it's pretty much it's actually it's fun to watch see how you progress and everything. But yeah, I just can't wait to see him play when he get old. I know he feel the same way. No question about that. And I tell you, it's just an, a special opportunity for you to play two sports. And if you had an opportunity uh, to play a third sport. What do you think that would be? Do you think that would be well, track and field, baseball? What what would that well, third actually, sport be? 
I do I, I do run track like I throw javelin and I might do the four hundred and I used to play baseball when I was younger, but I stopped to play AAU basketball. So I used to play baseball and I ran track last year. So so what made you decide or feel like, all right, so track and field is an opportunity for me to get better as well. How does that help you with football throwing the javelin? Oh, because it's almost like the same motion, but you just keep your arm straight. But when you get ready to release it and like bring it forward, it's basically the same motion as a quarterback. You want to like have that, have that ball like not extremely high, but like high to where you can like get it off. And you know you just want to get your core into it, so it's like all the same motion. Josh Flowers, the junior starting quarterback for the Baker Hornets, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. A couple of more minutes here with you, Josh. Talk about Steve Norman. I, I tell you, he's one of my favorite coaches because of his charisma and how he can uh, – have you listened to him play that guitar? Have you seen his musical talents that he's displayed, Josh? Unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard about it. Like, my sophomore year, I heard about it uh, at the Clinton Oscars Club. Somebody told me uh, that he can play the guitar, and I didn't believe it until I asked him that he can play it, but he just never played it for us. You'll have to ask him to go ahead and get in front of the team and, and create a song for you guys going into your senior season. What are you looking forward to the most about your senior season for the Baker Hornets? I'm looking like, forward to, like, Winning more games, you know, we have a wide receiver, um, Bryce Kane. He's going to be better. It's going to be a second year coming. Uh, we have younger guys like, um, you know, freshman line coming in. You know, they don't have to take up like a big role and everything. You know, uh, we have KJ coming back off of injury this year. You know, he's looking good already, and he's not all the way back. So, you know, just to you know, come out here, you know, prove a point. You know, to some people who you know still have doubts in their head about the bigger Hornets. So, you know, just coming out here, you know, trying to play and just win almost every game. It's not every game we can you know, play. Well, I tell you, Josh, I'm very proud of you and continue to be humble and get in those books and do what you need to do so you can be another difference maker in the Southeastern Conference at quarterback for the Mississippi State Bulldogs and Coach Zach Arnett. And congratulations on that verbal commit. And we look forward to seeing you not only in the spring, but here in the fall, starting the quarterback in your senior season for the Baker Hornets. Yes, sir. Thank you. Josh Flowers talking with us here on the final drive again, making his verbal commitment yesterday to Zach Arnett and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And for those that forgot, again, two former South Alabama head coaches now on the Mississippi State Bulldogs coaching staff. And that's another reason to why I feel like Mobile is a pipeline to Starkville, Mississippi and all the talent that is here. You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 with Corey LeBounty, Michael Brauner, and of course Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls at 251 694 1055. Hey, this is Jake Tilford, quarterback at Alabama. Oh, I'm listening to the radio. I'm listening to WNSP. The ball is tipped, and there you for your life, you're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked, but now it's shown. 
Be the first to call Nick on the telephone at 251-694-1055 to guarantee your spot in our March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue Downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. That's two adults and one child or two adults from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. You don't want to miss out next Wednesday, Moe's Barbecue Downtown, 6 o'clock p.m. And as soon as we heard that one shining moment, I guarantee, Nick, we do have a qualifier. That's right. Our next qualifier is Ken. Ken, congratulations to Ken having an opportunity to qualify. And make sure you're in the building at Moe's because you have to be present in order to win. You can qualify, but you don't want to be a qualifier without being present at Moe's. And if you're not having an opportunity to qualify by phone, by calling into the opening kickoff, in the morning time, miss those four opportunities or miss these four opportunities on the final drive. Of course, you're able to pick up the eight spots that we have open for a chance to get in and become a qualifier at the night of the event. So eight spots will be open the night of the event. So you want to make sure that you're at Moe's next Wednesday. That's Moe's at downtown Mobile. And I tell you, a little bit of... Breaking news with March Madness, we mentioned that Bill Self will not be here as well. And because Bill Self is missing today's game, he'll remiss the remainder of the Big 12 tournament with the undisclosed oh, it is the remainder. It, huh? it is the remainder oh, of the Big 12. Hope so we okay. wish, yeah, we wish Coach Self the best from a health standpoint. And, you know, with, with all the money that's been thrown around in free agency and at these quarterbacks, there's a big purse that's at stake here this weekend at the TPC Sawgrass in Ponta Verda Beach, Florida. Yeah, the when Players you Championship, the, the fifth major. $25 million at stake, and that's the purse for TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, and I believe it is the big. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's actually the biggest purse of the year, bigger than the Masters, bigger than any of the other majors. Would and again, the Players Championship is a really big event. It, you know, a lot of people consider it to be kind of the fifth major. If you know the PGA Championship is is the fourth major, the Players Championship is kind of right below it. It's one of the best fields in golf, and yeah, twenty five million dollars uh, to be spread. I believe the winner gets four point five million dollars. So. All you got to do, play really good golf for four days in a row, and you'll walk away with $4.5 million. $25 million, the purse. First round, TPC Sawgrass in effect going on. Chad Ramey is leading. Yeah, we have to ask John Ricchetti. I actually don't know who Chad Ramey is. I, 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 you know, Colin he's an American. Mor yeah, Colin Morikawa is in second. I know him. It's John Ricchetti's boy, uh, Taylor Pendrith, Canadian in third. Other than that, there's some there's some interesting names at the top of the leaderboard. But I, a lot, lot of guys that uh, uh, you wouldn't expect for such a strong field. But Scotty Scheffler's right in there. You know, Lucas Glover's uh, in, in, uh, in the area. And Jordan Spieth is... Kind of lagging behind a lot of these guys. That, you know, Rory McIlroy was like four over today. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's just a lot of money 
and a beautiful golf course in Florida. Outstanding weather. You can see the flowers that are blooming there, the azaleas and everything else that is going on there in Florida. But 25 mil, yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about the money that has been spread around. Aaron Rodgers guaranteed 59.3 this year, whether he plays for the Jets. That's the question that a lot of people have. Will he go ahead and have talks with Jets coaches and general managers today? Will he pull the trigger and leave Green Bay to where he's had a historic career? Yeah, it, it seems like he's done in Green Bay, like we said earlier. So we'll see if he's a Jet, maybe a Raider, maybe maybe uh, to the darkness retreat permanently with a retirement. Uh, we'll see what happens. But no one knows what, what old Aaron Rodgers is going to do. 39 years old. One year removed from an MVP. 18 years in a Green Bay Packer uniform. Will it be 19? Only time will tell. And what time will tell is the next hour. We have the Tide and Tiger Report right here on the final drive. And we'll talk to Luke Robinson along with Mike Gittens from the War Report coming up next here on the final drive. This is the Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker and Dr. Chris Walton of Premier Medical Eye Group. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app, here are Corey and Michael. Welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner joining you this afternoon. And, of course, it's all about March Madness. And last week for the state basketball finals, I was blessed and fortunate enough to work with our next guest, Luke Robinson from Locked On Bama for the state semifinals in a couple of classifications. Luke, good afternoon, and welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. And I tell you, you know, today's action in the SEC, not really a shocker in regards to the overtime win for the Mississippi State Bulldogs fending off a pesky Florida Gators team, but Alabama will now have to face this Mississippi State team that they really went toe-to-toe with during the regular season. Yeah, Mississippi State's a good ball club. I mean, they're you know, obviously they're seated where they are for a reason. They're on the on the periphery of the bubble for a reason. Um, but they they've got some talent. Uh, Tolu Smith, a first team All SEC guy, he's a problem down low. He had a career high in points today. Um, you know, yeah, they they had trouble with Florida today. But I mean, look, when it comes to these tournaments. I think you can throw a lot of things out the window. I mean, some teams play a little, take them more seriously than others. Some teams play a little harder out of desperation. Um, we, I mean, shoot, there, there have been some really tight games today. 
that you didn't think would be tight, for sure. So uh, Florida and, and Mississippi State, I think, was one of those. But don't let the, how they played or, or the fact that they kept it a close game with Florida, who was out, who was without Colin Castleton, don't let that fool you into thinking they can't play with Alabama. I mean, look, they had a, a double-digit lead on Alabama at one point in Tuscaloosa. Now, Alabama beat them at their place, but that was way back. That was the first SEC game for Alabama. We didn't even really know what Alabama was at that time, and I doubt Mississippi State had really rounded it in a form either. So I feel like it's going to be a, a difficult but fun game. I, I certainly think it's one Alabama could and, and should win, and I think they will win. But uh, Mississippi State's not bad. I think one thing that I took away from today's game, though, is um, they've got problems uh, – against traps in the half-court set and even in a full-court press. I think that they've got some issues in that uh, they just don't have great guard play when it comes to taking care of the basketball. Luke, I'm with you that Alabama probably should win tomorrow. I, I mean, even the first game against Mississippi State, I believe they won by 11 in Starkville. Mississippi State probably missed 15 free throws in that game. I, I mean, if Alabama were to fall to a probably motivated Mississippi State team who I think is in the tournament regardless with the win today but do you think that could knock them off the one line or do you think that's pretty much a lock regardless no I think Alabama's going to be a one I think that is a lock um frankly who else are you going to put there yeah uh, I think UCLA will probably get one I think Houston will get one uh, and I think Kansas will get one and I think the other one is Alabama I think Alabama is uh, proven the most throughout the year. Uh, their record isn't as good as, as UCLA's is or Houston's is, I guess, but um, they have better wins. I mean, they went on the road and beat another team that's going to be a number one seed. I mean, that that, that needs to be factored in. Um, they, they had a tremendous record in the SEC. I mean, it's not all that often a team gets through the SEC with only two losses, especially uh, now when they play so many games. So, I think Alabama, and you know, obviously they played Gonzaga. They lost, but uh, they will get bonus points for having played them. And they beat Memphis uh, at home. I mean, they've got some really nice wins on this resume. And I think Alabama's a lot to be to be a one seed at this point. Now, the overall number one seed is still up for grabs, and I think Alabama could be the number one overall seed if they were to win the SEC tournament. Uh, but even then, it, it could be a close call with Kansas. I think what's imperative, though, when you start looking at it is Alabama being an overall number one seed. That's nice and dandy, meaning you can choose the color of your uniforms, essentially, and get a little closer to home. But those first two games being played in Birmingham, Alabama, and Legacy Arena, where you and I sat courtside last week and called high school basketball championships, how awesome is that for Bama Nation to be able to experience Legacy Arena with other something than the SEC tournament, but NCAA tournament action for first and second round? Yeah, in fact, I would love for the SEC tournament to return to uh, Birmingham and play at Legacy Arena. I think that'd be fantastic. I'm going to the SEC tournament tomorrow at Bridgestone Arena, and I'm sure it's awesome. I, I don't think I've ever been in Bridgestone Arena, but I'm sure it's awesome, right? But it's huge. And so uh, Legacy Arena, I think, is, is better in terms of, you know, have a little more intimate atmosphere for these tournaments. And um, I, I certainly think that is the way I would like to go versus uh, you know, playing in some of these ginormous stadiums or, and, and arenas. 
I think it's a little bit better to do it that way. But, you know, regardless, it's going to be in Nashville for quite some time. Meanwhile, if Alabama gets to play in Birmingham for the NCAA tournament, I mean, that's just, that's just a cherry on top, and it just works out really well. Um, you know, it's, it just coincides with the fact that Alabama happens to be one of the better teams in the country this year that, that the NCAA tournament returns to Birmingham. Uh, they were, I remember when they were in Birmingham years and years ago, uh, I think Alabama was actually a two seed at that time, if I remember right, uh, back with Derek McKee and, and uh, those guys. And uh, they, they played in Birmingham, and um, I mean, it was you know, it was great. I think it'll be uh, great again. I think tickets are already hard to come by, and um, I think that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be packed out. I mean, there's. I saw one bracketology expert actually have Auburn there as well with Alabama as a one seed in Birmingham, you know, doing their thing in their little pod, and then Houston is a number one seed also in that same uh, venue. Um, obviously, they would be on different brackets, but, I mean, it doesn't matter in these first two rounds anymore. And then Auburn was going to be in the 8-9 game facing probably Houston, assuming they win, if they were to go on. I mean, can you imagine the demand for tickets if both Alabama and Auburn are in Birmingham for, for two days this next weekend? Oh, it'll be it'll be unreal. You, you're talking about a state that would be super-duper buzzing, Luke. And I tell you, Coleman Coliseum last week was, bo- uh, was buzzing, and I don't think Alabama being 50, 15- and oh at home in Coleman Coliseum that's really the mark of a championship team and one of the reasons they were able to cut down the nets against their arch rival Auburn yeah and look kudos to everybody who went to that game obviously we couldn't go we were busy at the, uh, the HSAs but had kudos to everybody who went and made it an incredible environment um you know Coleman Sort of is a, uh, an airplane hangar. I mean, it is. It, it's uh, it's a different kind of looking place, and I'm I for one am very anxious about getting a new arena as quickly as possible, and you know, cutting it down from say fifteen thousand uh, uh, plus, which what it is now, to somewhere around the eleven thousand range. I think that would be perfect. You know, make the seating uh, a little bit different where you don't have the, the press kind of closer to the court like you have at Coleman and where some of the students can be a little closer to the action too. Um, I, I want to see that. I mean, Auburn's done it right. I want to do it like that. And um, I, I, Coleman, certainly there's some fantastic memories in there. I mean, I went to Alabama from 91 to 95, saw some great games, saw Alabama upset Arkansas when they were the number one team in the country in Coleman. I mean, some, some great times. But uh, – there were some great times at Legion Field too, and these, you know, sometimes these things uh, wear out their welcome. And so I'm looking forward to a new arena. But last Wednesday against Auburn, it was pretty amazing. Talking to Luke Robinson, locked on Bama. Luke, I, I, it's the airplane hangar, the striped palace, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know. I feel like Coleman took on, uh, like, gained some new life this year. Especially, I mean, with the fact that the new arena hasn't even broken ground yet. I, I, I mean, the idea now of cutting out seats, while I know Auburn has the arguably the best home, home court advantage of college basketball, it almost feels wrong. We're, we're filling up Coleman now. Yeah, and Alabama is filling up Coleman. And again, kudos to everybody for that. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate anybody uh, who takes time to go down to these games because, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, when you have a Wednesday game at 8 o'clock 
Those games suck. I don't know another way to say it. I mean, that that's just awful. Yeah. I, I, I yearn for the days back when um, SEC teams played on Wednesday nights and Saturdays. And on Wednesday nights, everybody played at 7 o'clock. And on um, Saturdays, you either played at like 1, 3, or 7 or something like that. And uh, when you have these games on Tuesday at, at 9 o'clock or Wednesday at 8 o'clock, they, they just aren't as much fun. So I appreciate anybody who goes to any of, the, any of those games and has to drive home. Because, I mean, if a game goes, Lord knows, if a game goes in overtime, you could be facing a late night. But you're right. Uh, Coleman sort of did find its uh, second, uh, 12th or 32nd win this year. Uh, <laughs> that they did. And, and it was great. It's great to see. I'm glad to see the place have some life. I'm glad to see the enthusiasm around the basketball team again. Nate Oates has secured for a while. Um, The recruiting is going magnificently. And I think there's a lot of positives, but I think it could even be more positive once we get this new arena. Well, I tell you, Luke, we've got a couple minutes left with you here on the Titan Tiger Report. Nick Saban and Alabama football get started here in a couple of weeks or less than a week, well, a week and a half, actually. Talk about the excitement that's going to be a buzz about in the spring. We know no depth charts coming out of the spring by Hugh Freed or Nick Saban, but the excitement about having a new quarterback, having to replace some skill set positions, new running backs, just fresh defensive, offensive coordinator, just a lot of new faces that are going to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama when we kick off in the fall for sure. Yeah, a lot of new faces, but a lot of talent, talent there too still i mean this is alabama brought in maybe the the best class all time this this past year uh you got guys like keon keely that are going to come in and, and create a lot of buzz uh certainly but i think all eyes are going to be on the quarterback position ty simpson against jayla milrow obviously eli holstein is going to be involved along with dylan Larkin. in the end um i am personally predicting it'll be ty simpson but i don't think it's going to be a blowout i think it's going to be a uh, tight competition, and look, uh, Jalen Milrow is immensely talented, um, and he's just a, you know, he's a statuesque kid, and he's, he can run like a gazelle. He's got all those things, but, um, you know, the, the game he started in against Texas A&M, he, he had some flaws. I mean, that that really came to light, and the turnovers, that's something Nick Saban's not going to put up with very long, and if you turn the ball over, um, you know, you can, get, you can get a team beat no matter what the talent discrepancy is, so um, meanwhile, Ty Simpson, obviously we haven't seen him on the field do any do anything of relevance, but I, I believe in his talent from what I've seen in high school. Um, and I think it's just going to be a fun spring seeing those two go at it because I do think it will come down to one of those two. Um, obviously, I, I'm a fan of uh, Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein too, but I think it will come down to one of those two. And then the running back situation is kind of fun. I mean, you've got two of the top three running backs in the country that are coming in from this last class. And while you bring back Wardell Williams and Jace McClellan, you know, you, you bring back some talent. But you've got some new faces coming in, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call McClellan or Wardell Williams, even though they've had some nice long runs, I wouldn't call them necessarily home run threats. Uh, they, they, I, I remember Jace McClellan having an 81-yarder against Texas, I believe, um, and I think he had a, an 80-yarder against Arkansas when he was a freshman. But I don't remember a lot of other long runs, and maybe they're escaping me. But, um, you know, some of these new running backs that are coming in may have a, something to say about who's going to be the starter. And then wide receiver, of course, is going to be something 
Um, Alabama needs an alpha dog or two or three at, at that position group. Hopefully Malik Benson is that guy. Um, he's the top junior college prospect in the country that's coming in. And um, Alabama's the coaches seem to love him. But, man, they're going to need a receiver that's going to help out whoever the quarterback is. Luke Robinson, Locked On Bama, is joining us here for the final drives, Tide and Tiger Report. And, you know, March 20th is when Alabama is set to return to the field. And you just mentioned about the quarterback aspirations and the running back and defensively finding that alpha dog that Nick Saban loves to have. Any other surprises offensively or defensively that you're expecting to see really coming out of the spring that's going to generate a lot of buzz from the media going into the summertime SEC media day ball is and there you are you're running for your life you're a shooting star and all the years no one knows just how hard you worked but now it's Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report on the final drive. And again, it's that March Madness time to where Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, they were victorious in today's matchup against the Florida Gators, and they will face the Alabama Crimson Tide at 7 p.m. again tomorrow. And, and it's just a a situation here to where Auburn and Arkansas will be going to battle with one another. And I know that we do have a lot of basketball action going on and don't want you guys to forget the Alabama-Mississippi basketball girls and boys all-star games at the University of South Alabama's Mitchell Center on Saturday. Brought to you by the Mobile Sports Authority. That's this Saturday, the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Basketball Game. For the first time ever here in Mobile, Alabama, will be at 12 and 2 o'clock. So you don't want to miss the best talent in the state of Alabama, boys and girls-wise, matching up with the best boys and girls talent in the state of Mississippi and looking forward to that this coming Saturday at 12 and 2 at the University of South Alabama's Mitchell Center and uh, that game is brought to you by the Mobile Sports Authority so we want to thank Danny Cordy and all his hard work for getting high school basketball back to the Gulf Coast and the Mitchell Center we mentioned earlier in the show about Patrick Ewing and really really struggling with his alma mater and the Georgetown Hoyas, well, they went ahead and let him go. And that's nothing that's surprising there. Georgetown 7-25 and this season had a 29-game losing streak. Nothing like what Alabama and Auburn have gone through. Patrick Ewing fired as the Georgetown Hoyas head coach and Bill Self. Head coach at Kansas, due to health reasons, will not coach for the remainder of the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, thoughts and prayers to Bill Self. Hope hope he's okay. Obviously, a fluid situation there. Uh, we don't really know what's going on there, so I don't want to speculate on anything. But as for Ewing, uh, oh boy, uh, the writing's been on the wall there. Probably should have 
happened a year ago. I hate to dump on the guy while he's clearly already down, but man, uh, that Georgetown program has been in shambles for for years now. So uh, this had to happen. Uh, you can't. I, I understand he's a legend. He's a, one of the best basketball players of all time. But I mean, that team stinks and has stunk. Well, I tell you, he did qualify for the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, but since then it's gone downhill. But what not? has gone downhill is our winner or qualifier here that listened to that one shining moment music montage. Nick, who do we have? That's right. Our next qualifier is Daryl. Daryl, big time Daryl. Congratulations to Daryl there qualifying for an opportunity to win that Bailey's TV at Mattress Big screen television along with an opportunity to hop on a couple of jet skis from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And when we come back on the other side of this break, Mike Gitters from the War Report will be talking about the Auburn Tigers as they're getting ready to tip off this evening against the Arkansas Razorbacks. You're listening to the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive at WNSP. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner joining you this afternoon. And the Auburn Tigers getting ready to tip off here at 6 o'clock p.m. And Arkansas favored by three points. And we'll see, Mike, if they're able to go ahead and pull that off. Yeah, I mean, 6 o'clock we got... Auburn taking on Arkansas. I mean, it's probably one of the best matchups on paper. So coming on to talk about that, we got Mike Gittens from the War Report. Mike, thanks for hopping on with us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. So I this is probably on paper the best matchup, at least, that we knew of. I mean, Missouri-Tennessee, you could argue now that that's set. But this is probably on paper the best matchup that we knew of going into the SEC tournament. Uh, Arkansas favored by three points. Certainly, probably the more talented roster on paper. What do you? I think Auburn probably locked up a tournament bid at, at the at the least by beating Tennessee last weekend. So, what do you think Bruce Pearl is telling his team headed into this one in terms of what they need to do? Well, they just need to continue to play the type of basketball that they they played against Tennessee. Uh, when Auburn finds scoring, they're they're a really tough team to beat, especially with how they play defense. So the key to this one is going to be Wendell Green, eight of 14, 24.66 from the free throw line against Tennessee. I think if he gets going, the Tigers have a good shot here. But I, I want you guys to make no mistake: this was a nightmare draw for Auburn in this side of the bracket with Arkansas, Kentucky. 
you know, uh, this was not a good draw. The top side of the bracket definitely was a lot easier for Alabama and Mississippi State and those schools up there. But um, this should be one of the best matchups we see in the tournament. You mentioned about that draw. Auburn, if they're able to come away as a seven-seed winner over the 10th-seeded Arkansas, they will draw the number two-seeded Texas A&M Aggies, who Auburn played at the beginning of February. Auburn went to Texas A&M and lost 78-83, to and Bruce Pearl was not happy with the officiating. But, again, when you come into this win-or-go-home mentality, you can't get too excited or let the officiating dictate the outcome of these next couple of games for the Auburn Tigers. Well, again, like I said, nightmare draw. Texas A&M is hot at the right time. Uh, we saw them take down Alabama in their last regular season game. But uh, Buzz Williams has done a really good job against Bruce Pearl, uh, coaching against Bruce Pearl these last couple years. So this was this. If they get by Arkansas, that would be a tough match as well, too. But I'll tell you, it's really difficult. I mean, it's really difficult to play and beat a team three times in one season. Uh, so I know I think if they can get past Arkansas, Auburn has just as good a chance as anybody uh, to kind of take them down. You know, if we, when you look at Auburn's ranking in the net, even after losses, they never really dropped because it takes into account uh, margin of victory and margin of loss. So with them losing so many close games, uh, the net seems to respect the effort that the Tigers are putting forward. So, you know, again, I like them possibly to win that game. I think they have a better chance than most people think. So, uh, I mean, again, it's just so hard to, to predict this matchup. Arkansas you could argue was the most talented team in the SEC going into the season, at least on paper. I, I think a lot it was a lot of people's pick to win the SEC. You could maybe say that they need to win this game still to make the NCAA tournament. I don't think so, personally, but, I mean, if, if you're Arkansas going into, into this game, I, how, how are you approaching Auburn in that, do you, if you're Eric Musselman, are you telling your team, we have to win this to get into the NCAA tournament? Uh, yeah, I think that if you're Arkansas, you take a do-or-die mentality this game. I mean, uh, there are a couple teams in this tournament in the SEC that are, are fringe bubble teams. You know, uh, you know, on our podcast, our girl Brandy thinks that, you know, Arkansas is in. I'm not so sure, but I don't think you want to leave it to chance. If you're Eric Musselman, you definitely want to win this game to make sure uh, that they can't leave you out when it comes to Selection Sunday. Well, you don't want to be left out of Selection Sunday, and Dylan Cardwell does not want to be left out of tonight's rotation. Only comes in averaging four points and four rebounds, but he's a big body for Bruce Pearl, and anytime you go out with an ankle injury, he's had about a week and a half to go ahead and recoup and try to get stronger and better. It adds to Auburn's rotation when he's able to be in the lineup, and Janai Broom and Cardwell both being on the floor, it gives another dimension for the Auburn Tigers offense. Yeah, it definitely does. But here's what I think you'll see. They have a backup plan. I mean, they're going to play Traore uh, in this one if Cardwell shows any signs of not being able to go or being hobbled. I think at this point, you, you already locked up a tournament bid. You save him for the tournament. Uh, you know, Broom has gotten himself into in foul trouble, and they need somebody to come in and spell Broom when, you know, you know, depending on how the refs call it. Now, you mentioned earlier, Bruce Pearl – He's an evil genius, man. He waited until the end of the season to go off on the refs, the refs, and they called a clean game versus Tennessee. Um, I think that you know if they call it right, 
uh, you know, Cardwell and, and, and Bloom can be a, a dangerous duo for the Tigers. Talking to Mike Gittens from the War Report. Uh, Mike, I, I think it's been greatly overstated this year. The the sky is falling with, with, with Auburn basketball. And again, it hasn't been from everyone. But this is a team that won 20 games this year, and a lot of people are saying things like uh, no one no obviously no one was putting Bruce Pearl on the hot seat but I mean I think it just speaks to the level of expectations that Bruce Pearl has brought this program to yeah I think that you said it, uh, exactly what I was going to say I think it just speaks to the, the expectations being raised for Auburn basketball and that's all Bruce Pearl I think that's why you go out and you hire a coach with his coaching pedigree so uh, he's raised the expectations that Auburn makes the tournament every year. The idea that they might not make the tournament caused a lot of consternation in the fan base and maybe with some alumni, but ultimately they did what they needed to do to lock up that tournament bid. Now, this isn't his most talented team, certainly. Um, there's not a, you know, I'm not sure there's a draft pick on this team this year, uh, but this might be his best coaching job given the deficiencies in this roster. Well, there were no deficiencies when they went ahead and won their 20th game against Tennessee in front of a huge crowd. The jungle, they got it done here on the neutral floor. Again, taking on the Razorbacks to where you just never know what Arkansas team is going to show up. But Auburn, to me, regardless of the outcome tonight, will have an opportunity on Selection Sunday to sit back and see what their seating will be because you can't take away that they faded down the stretch and weren't able to close in a lot of games. But if you're able to close tonight against Arkansas, you play A&M, and then you possibly play Big Blue Nation in Kentucky, that would bolster your seeding in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, listen, Auburn has a chance to be uh, seated anywhere from 11 to 6 in this tournament, depending on how deep they go in the SEC tournament. I think uh, a 6 seed is the highest they can expect as a 20-win team. Uh, but, you know, we'll see We'll see what they do. It's one game at a time. They've got to get past Arkansas first. Uh, if you beat Arkansas, I think Auburn is most likely, like, uh, most likely looking at an 8 or 9 seed uh, here come Selection Sunday. Mike, you know, spring break this week on the campus of Auburn, and they started spring football last week. And how do you like the break in between? Because you start getting one week, you get momentum, you get started, and all of a sudden with the new staff, new coaches, you put the brakes on it, and then you have to go quickly for another three weeks. Do you think the players will continue to come with the type of intensity that Hugh Freeze and his coaching staff would like? Yeah, you know, I think they will. And, you know, this is a new coaching staff, so a lot of the players understand that everybody's on, you know, a new footing with this coaching staff. So uh, what you probably will hear stories of a lot of players who spent their spring break training and trying to get uh, – you know, accustomed to the new expectations, learning whatever new system they're trying to install. Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze are putting in a new offense. Uh, they've said pretty publicly that they're not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but it will meld the two of their offensive philosophies. So I think if you're a player, if you're smart, I'm not at the beach this spring break, guys. Uh, I'm in my playbook, and I'm on the practice field, and I'm making sure I get an edge on everybody I'm going to be competing against uh, for a starting job this spring. 
not only this spring with football being right around the corner, Hugh Freeze made it very evident that this spring is just for reps. And the more quality reps you can get, the more of an opportunity you'll have going into the fall to go ahead and etch your name in stone. But so far, what kind of offensive line production? I think that that is the biggest point of emphasis for any Auburn Tiger fan that Auburn had to find a way to better themselves on the O-line? Well, I got a chance to, to ask you, Freeze, about evaluating the quarterbacks, and he said pretty directly that, you know, it's hard because when you look at the tape, how can you evaluate a guy who's running for his life, you know, half the game? And, uh, you know, I think that what they're going to see here, and he went out and he did in the portal, he got a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, so trying to figure out what combination of linemen is going to be the most effective unit for, for the Tigers on the field is going to be a big task for him this, this fall, not only in protecting the quarterback, but also in the running game. Early in last season, Auburn struggled in run blocking. When Cadillac took over as interim head coach, we saw them kind of surge in the running game. Listen, they ran for more yards than any uh, team since Nick Saban has been coaching Alabama on Alabama in 303 yards on the ground in the Iron Bowl last year. So I think that there's a route here to Auburn being good on the offensive line. But, but let's be clear, guys, the ball was on the floor. So uh, he's just got to get those guys a little better, and they've got to protect whoever's going to be quarterback uh, back there. T.J. Finley is competing this fall. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you have somebody who is non-mobile, it's going to be even more important that they solidify the pass protection. Robbie Ashford can make plays with his legs. Uh, the young guy holding Garner has a chance to make a splash this spring. So, you know, we'll see what they do on that offensive line. Talking to Mike Gittins from the War Report. Mike, I, I like to ask an Auburn guest this every few weeks or every month or so because I, I think – it, the optimism does just keep going up and up and up with Hugh Freeze in terms of the fan base temperature. So what what is the general fan base temperature for Hugh Freeze and expectations going into year one? Uh, it's excitement, guys. Listen, uh, he did what he needed to do in terms of expectations by going out and hitting the recruiting trail. Uh, I don't know if Hugh Freeze slept in his own bed the first two months he was at Auburn. I think he got hired. Uh, he threw on an Auburn polo, and then he went – straight to recruiting. Uh, this was a this was a perception I think that he needed to set with the fan base because uh, the feeling was with a lot of people and with a lot of people who wanted Brian Harson gone that you know he did not spend enough time recruiting. He wasn't on the trail. High school coaches were saying they hadn't heard from him. Hugh Freeze definitely has turned that around. We've heard nothing but good reports. So starting there in the offseason, recruiting is the lifeblood of FCC football. You got to go out there and you got to recruit. You're in a conference with, with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. If you're not working hard on the recruiting trail, you are falling behind. Hugh Freeze has gotten off to a good start, I think, uh, in that regard. So the the, uh, the attitude with the fan base right now is optimism. It's all going to come down to results on the field at the end of the day, but uh, he is at least changing the perception for now. Mike Gittens from the War Report joining us this evening on the Tide and Tiger Report. And Mike, if people want to follow you and learn more about your coverage of everything Auburn, how can they do so? Uh, check us out at thewarreport.com. You can also go over to YouTube and just subscribe to us at The War Report. You can become a War Report patron. Uh, we've got a lot of special content. Our guy Ike Jones is actually in Nashville covering the game right now, so 
Uh, we've got lots of great stuff that we're going to be bringing you guys, and particularly uh, interviews. Uh, we interviewed Coach Hugh Freeze, uh, the basketball coach Johnny Harris sat down with us, uh, and the famed Jeff Grabo of Auburn Gymnastics sat down with us recently. So those are all interviews you can check out on our channel on YouTube. Mike, want to thank you for joining us on this Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP, and we'll talk with you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Mike Gittins joining us this afternoon and look forward to wrapping up the Tide and Tiger Report here on this terrific Thursday here in Mobile, Alabama, right here on the final drives. Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP 105.5. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5 and we want to thank all our guests today. Robbie Robertson joined us as Coastal Alabama South is in action in the Junior College State Championships in Huntsville, Alabama. Of course, we were joined by Joshua Flowers, who verbally committed to Mississippi State from Baker High School. Lindsey Crosby joined us from the Auburn Daily talking a little bit of the 11-1-1 Auburn Tigers baseball team. Luke Robinson, this hour locked on Bama, and we just finished talking to Mike Gittens from the War Report. And, of course, we want to encourage you to continue in the morning time when you do hear one shining moment to make sure that you call on the opening kickoff as well as here on the final drive to get qualified to guarantee your spot in March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue which will be next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and your chance to win a brand new flat screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. That's two adults and one child at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. We want to thank them for putting that package together. And if you miss out on opportunity on the opening kickoff or here on the final drive, you want to make sure that you come in and we'll have eight spots left open. So come to Moe's next Wednesday. Moe's Downtown Barbecue, Mike. Don't want to miss that. No, why, well, why would you miss that? Uh, surely you couldn't have anything more important to do than than be at the event of the year. And, and, and you know what else you can also do? Oh, boy. If you want, if you're if your old ball and chain, if the old lady is giving you some flack, not wanting you to go out, say, hey, babe, listen. Bring her. Come out. Let's have a fun date night. I'll buy you some barbecue, some drinks, and then, hey, guess what? You can get her to get one of those open spots, right? And then you got two uh, people in your house holding the tournament. I mean, the TV's going to the same place, I, would, right. I would assume. So. Right. Hey, there's two jet skis. And there's two, two jet skis right? as well. Bring, so. bring your girl out. Hopefully, hey, if you get stuck with a 14 seed and she gets the two seed, Hey, yo, win, we, win. the first name's got to be different. We don't care about the last name. <laughs> That's how you do it. And well played. And again, we want to see everybody at Moe's next Wednesday is by Monday. 
we will have our brackets and we'll have an office bracket here to see who can run the show whose sharpie is used the least here within our own office but have a chance to draw for an opportunity to win a flat screen tv and opportunity to catch some jet skis can't beat that. Yeah, you're going to make like six brackets, though, aren't you? No, I'm only going to make two. Two? I go with two. I, I, I'll i be honest. I don't go with the one bracket. I definitely go with the two brackets. I, I play in different pools, of course, but I do like the opportunity to, to change it up a little bit. But I'm not, you say you go with one. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll just go against the grain. I'll maybe make like 15. Okay, well. In in our WNSP bracket challenge that we get going next week where we can all make our own bracket and put it in there, listeners can join, that'll only be the one, and that's the only one that's going to matter on air. I'm going to be an absolute menace if I win that thing with with all the listeners and y'all too. Well, I tell you what, folks. Coming up next is the Prep Spotlight right here on WNSP 105.5. Don't forget, this weekend, Saturday, the Alabama-Mississippi Basketball Girls and Boys All-Star Games at South Alabama, 12 and 2 o'clock, brought to you by the Mobile Sports Authority. Don't miss out on that 12 and 2, and we don't want to miss out on any action tonight. Arkansas, Auburn. 6 o'clock p.m. We'll talk about it tomorrow here on The Final Drive. Thanks for listening.